Welcome to BusinessWorks. This is Hal Alpiar along with Johnny Stites, and we're here today to talk about leadership and teamwork because we know this is one of the biggest reasons that small businesses fail to succeed. So we're going to break that out in today's show and the next couple um, dealing with aspects of this. And the first uh, part of it is dealing with internal leadership and teamwork approaches, ways of uh, looking at how to plan and how to consider teamwork and leadership issues and examples of that. So, Johnny, you want to start us out? I was, you know, I was going to ask Johnny a question to start us out because I thought this would be appropriate. Uh, Johnny, you were in the Navy and you were the leader of seventy-five sailors on a ship. I was. Um, you, how did you learn, or what did you learn about leadership? at that point in your life that you were able to bring home with you and apply to helping to build your family business? I'll tell you the thing that I learned was that there were people on my ship who were there for a career, and so they did things that didn't make any sense to me. For instance, they would make their people stay on the ship till the captain left, and the captain might leave at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock because he had some useful purpose to be there, and so these these uh, leaders of their groups would make their people stay. My rule was you stay until you get your work done, and then you can leave. And if you do your work well, then you get performance for marks for that. If you don't, then you're going to pay the price because you hurt the whole team. And so all through my career in the Navy, I always spent the time with the men to understand what they were trying to do and why they were doing it the way they were, and is that the best way for our team and would it make us as a team look the best? Because we were all in supply, and so we provided supply services, a ship store, right. the, the uh, barbershop, the laundry, all of the different kinds of, of uh, Life services yeah. for the ship. We provided the cruise mess, the ward officer's wardroom. So there was a lot of services. I was the guy who got the ice cream for everybody, so I was a <laughs> hero, you know, when we were in – Westpac off the Vietnam coast, ice cream for some reason. That's why I always see you over important. Dairy Queen. I notice that. <laughs> yeah. So it, it makes a big difference how you treat your people. If you treat them fairly, then they respond to that, I think. Right. And I learned that in the Navy that you could browbeat people and make them serve you because you were the officer, or you could lead them and motivate them and try to do those things that were in their best interest. So now when you came back here and back to uh, family business, how did you apply some of that thinking? What what Can you think of an example or two that might help us to see this a little differently? So what, when I first started in the business, I, I didn't understand the impact of culture in the, in the business. And so I, I focused on being successful and doing things right. And I didn't focus as much as I should have on what, the why, because I wanted everybody in the business to understand the why and to work hard on that and to make certain that their motivation was the same as the that of an owner. So I kept trying to figure out how can I do things and set up our company so that every person, no matter where they are, whether they're in Burstown or Salina or Lebanon or instill that attitude and still the attitude that whether I was there or not there, they still act the same. 
They still acted like an owner, and their best interest was my best interest, and my best interest was that of the client. And, and so we we worked hard on that. And and I'm, I might mention that the things we're talking about here apply even if you're a one-man band or a one-woman band, because good leadership and teamwork attitudes toward customers and toward suppliers puts you on the right track to grow your business or your professional practice. And and it is one of the biggest failure reasons for small business and professional practices to not make it. And it's a shame because it doesn't necessarily have to involve any added expense. It is really an attitude. And so it means looking around to see what other ways, other kinds of behaviors are going to get the best results. So that's a good example, John. Right. Another thing that I learned too, Hal, was that people who are being led want to be able to look up to the leader. They want to be able to respect the leader and to understand the leader. And once you have that relationship with them, then they'll work hard for you to achieve the goals. It's not important for the leader to be the best bud of everybody. That kind of takes you down to a level that that they can't look up to, and so they don't really aspire to achieve the vision of the leader when he is one of them. So there needs to be, in my opinion, a, a respect for the difference between leading and following. That doesn't mean the leader sometimes doesn't listen to the followers, but he must always make certain that what he's doing is respected by and admired by the people he's trying to lead. And and I might add, it takes a certain open-mindedness uh, to, to do this. Uh, it does. You, you really, and, and, and when you have an open-mindedness toward the people who are working with you and for you, customers and vendors will notice that. And that is seen by other people as receptivity. It's seen as a positive attitude. And altogether, that gives birth to putting repetitive sales in motion. So if the bottom line of your business is to build or increase sales, think about the extent of open-mindedness you have toward your employees and your customers and your vendors. Um, well, in my business, Hal, one thing that, that I grew to understand was I didn't do the work. I was the owner of the business, and I may have estimated the work. I may have planned the work. I may have negotiated with the owner, but when it came time to pour the concrete, to nail the two buys together, or to paint, or any of that stuff, I didn't do any of it. I was in the office. So it became apparent to me that the, the owners of the business I was working for had to see that the people in the field had exactly the same kind of goal and values that I had, and they were going to implement that so that every person across the board was acting like the owner. And in, in several cases, we always measured our people, and one of the categories we measured them in was our uh, whether or not the owner was delighted with their work. What level of satisfaction was it? Delighted, pleased, satisfied, or disappointed? You had to be in one of those four. We asked every owner that question. If the owner said, man, I was delighted with what you did, that inferred by his very name that the owner received more than he expected, therefore he was delighted. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we were trying to get our people in the field to be concerned about delighting the owner. 
and it worked out great. The owners then could be very happy and know that the whole team was working for them. Well, I'm delighted with your example. Thank you. And we're going to take a break here, and we look forward to seeing you back in a couple of minutes with some really interesting information. Welcome back to Business Works. This is Hal and Johnny. We've been talking about different approaches to internal leadership and teamwork. We have some examples of two things. First of all, ways of organizing yourself about planning leadership and teamwork. And uh, the second will be some different applications of it. So the first thing I just want to mention, we've talked earlier on an earlier show about the objective strategy tactics approach for developing a goal. That This comes from the military. Uh, it has been a standard of business for a long time, setting the objective and putting it down in writing and making sure that it is specific and flexible and realistic and has a due date. But put it in writing. Put it down. Put it even on an old used envelope. Put it somewhere and stick it in your pocket. Keep it. Carry it with you. Change it as you need to because it's flexible. And then go from that what your objective is to the strategy, the ways of reaching that objective, the avenues for reaching that objective. And then finally, the tactics are the actual things you do. To how you implement those strategies to reach the objectives. So that's kind of a basic undercurrent or underlying issue in terms of thinking of approaches here. Johnny, have you any um, thoughts you can share about that thinking? And um, I, I know you're a structured kind of a, an approach to a lot of things. So this sounds like you. Well, one thing <laughs> that I would relate to this is not my business necessarily – but I noticed uh, in reading the history of World War II, they, many people say one of the reasons we were able to win that war against a very formidable uh, adversary was that everybody in Hitler's army had to check back with Hitler before they did anything. In our army, local commanders could make decisions that were important for the moment. And so one of your uh, your examples here, the when you have full participation by everybody, assessment and then adjustments are made when you're doing the strategy and tactics. And we were able to do that. All, most all of the leaders and under Hitler wouldn't make any move. Perfect example is D-Day. So if you're a bigger boss than just a one-man band or a small company with four or five people, delegating some of this to those who earn that respect to be able to do that is really important because you can't hope to have everyone come back to you with every single little issue. Uh, you would never be able to sleep. I'm dealing with a company right now that uh, had a dynamic leader, but everybody came back to him for the answer. And when he left the company, then everything about that business fell apart because nobody knew what to do, and they were all kind of sitting there in limbo waiting for the next person to be the leader to tell them what to do. Or they knew what to do, but nobody had given them the, the authority, what they need to, right. how to how to get that out. And, and, do, and that do not it. only hurts the organization immensely, it, it, I think it belittles the people that are working in the organization because they don't think their opinion really matters that much. And they sit on their heels waiting for the boss, quote-unquote, 
to tell them what to do. And that's that's not leadership. No, you be, because full participation is par, part of what this is all about. And being able to assess other people's skills and make adjustments with that and, and be able to delegate effectively to others. We're talking about small business here the, and also professional practices. And, and the reasons that small businesses and professional practices fail mostly have to do with money and cash flow. But right behind that is the approach to managing and how you do this sort of thing. We want to be able to develop what we have, make it work better, use the people who are with us to be able to do that, use their skills. Um, and, and so how do we go about cultivating those skills so that we can help people to make more of themselves in the process? Well, the first question, I think, is why is that important to use those skills? Right. And my observation of construction, anyway, was, and this is true in the Navy as well, the person who does that task every day is the one best suited to determine what are some of the things that ought to be done differently to save money, save time, take viable shortcuts, not shortcuts that hurt the project, but shortcuts just made from experience of knowing what can I do differently that's going to make a difference for the money and the time it takes to do this without hurting the end product. And they know that. But those who are just overseeing it are not there enough to be able to make those decisions. Some of the best things we ever did in our company, the idea came from laborers, the lowest paid people in our group. But we celebrated when they did things right and gave them the same attention and appreciation that we did for the crew leaders. And we encourage the crew leaders to do the same thing. So one, one of the things we were talking about is assessment of the people who are with you to, and help, before trying to get to a point of helping them to be better at what they do, to assess what's going on. And, and this goes back to a prior show we did. We talked about management by walking around, uh, that old theory that still works very well. And going to different people on the job and just asking, how's it going? Have you any new ideas today? Um, are, are you hearing any new customer comments? Are there problems with uh, the new systems that we put in? Are there problems with the customers? Are there problems you might have about coming in early or leaving late? Are you figuring out how to get your whole list done every day? In other words, if you would change anything here, what would it be? What would help you to do a better job? So that, that kind of taking inventory can happen uh, daily, weekly, monthly, at different levels. It's a constant. And the more that you can ask these questions and cultivate the answers with people, help them to verbalize situations and, and their thoughts, the more that you are in a better position to help them to grow and build them into positions where you can rely on their judgments as you go forward. We're going to... Uh, Take a break. We'll be back with you in a couple of minutes. Stay tuned. Welcome back to BusinessWorks. This is Hal and Johnny, and we are talking today about internal leadership and teamwork approaches, build, how to build your business or professional practice by focusing on leadership and teamwork and how to make the most of that. What are some of the considerations and examples that we should be thinking about? Uh, it takes full participation. It takes 
time to make assessments and make adjustments. And and Johnny and I were just talking uh, during the break about the extent of personal values that can determine scheduling for this sort of thing. And, and that you, you can't wing it. You really need to dedicate, even if it's five minutes, to sit still with someone to help them to cultivate the thinking of a leadership thinking and teamwork thinking, get them to express what's going on with themselves and, and actually talk about what ideas they have about how they could make something better. This is not always easy. A lot of people don't want to offer that kind of thing, and particularly to the boss. They're afraid they might look stupid or they, they, they don't have a good idea. And so cultivating means just like it does for farming. I mean, you've got to get out there and take it step at a time and, and help people to express themselves and their ideas. Hal, I was at a elementary school here last weekend and all up and down the hallway of the main hallway of that elementary school was every pennant of every college and university in this state. There wasn't a single pennant for a trade school or a TCAT, we call them Tennessee College of Applied Technology, or any other kind of school that would teach a specific uh, trade or talent. I think in my business, construction, what I observed was that people coming out of college sometimes, not in every case, but sometimes had a low self-esteem. And it was because for 12 years they were told in school, if you want to be successful, you got to go to college. If you want to be successful, you got to go to college. If you want to be successful, you got to go to college. If you hear that for 12 years, then for all of a sudden, if you don't make it to college for money reasons or for just, it's not for you, it's not for everybody to sit in a class and take classes. Some people want to get out and work with their hands. And and just as I was telling a group uh, of students preparing for uh, a welding class, I told them, I said, if you work in 40 years as a career as a teacher in Tennessee and you have a master's degree, you're probably going to make around 45000 a year. If you graduate from this welding class with a certification, you'll start at 60000 And if you really get good at it, then you'll earn six figures. That's a career, too. But it's not lauded anywhere in our training of our young people. So one of the things we had to do in construction was build self-esteem within the people. And I would tell them from time to time, you all are doing things that a heart surgeon can't do, that a brain surgeon can't do, that a lawyer can't do, or a professor. And so we tried our best to help every person to have that self-esteem and to live with worth in their work value because I realize if you don't if you don't think you're valuable and you don't you're not a quality kind of person, you're not going to be able to do quality work. It's not in your DNA. Yeah, I, I that's a good point. And I you know, I think part Part of what we're also dealing with that I see often is the depending on the nature of the business, some businesses have customers that who come in waves. That's the easiest way to describe it. Uh, I was in a, a local supermarket the other day, and the people at the checkout counter working there were really down in the dumps and it was mobbed. There were lots of people standing in line. People were starting to make little nervous sounds about 
having to wait and how long it was taking. And and they had a couple of new people at the counter trying to help out. And and the manager came over and he kind of – he opened up a new line and so got things going and that kind of cleared up the mess. We so the he, public are oftentimes the most hurtful people, aren't we, to those yes, who are trying? Yes, and we get very impatient, I think. As a, as you know, but we anyway. The, so the manager came over. He he kind of helped things to get cleared up pretty quickly, and it started me thinking. And I said to him, I said, "Well, it seems like your customers come in waves." He said, "Oh yeah, they really." It never stops. Sometimes the waves come one right after another after another. There's no time to even take a break. And he said, that's when, you know, the employees get antsy and, and stuff is not working well. And and I started thinking about that. And I thought, well, you know, it's not just grocery stores. It's car dealerships. It's real estate. It's supermarkets, of course, and price clubs. And there are a lot of businesses where customers come in waves. And so when that happens, the focus on your internal team and on relieving the pressure of all of those that rush of business it becomes very important to be able to get people to uh, focus on what they need to do the customer of course is what's really important but how do you get them to think more like that and less about themselves when for, it gets busy for the example? reason it didn't happen Hal is because it's not the urgent it's important it's more important than many other things that go on, but it's not urgent. So people typically in their business, which is driven by the urgent, tend to put it off and put it aside. So how, how do you develop a sense of urgency as part of part of it? And how do we get the people in those kinds of businesses to be focused on that? It's called discipline. It's called discipline. Oh, if there you comes the Navy. <laughs> if you don't discipline yourself to do the important things, they don't get done. All right. And you have to make yourself... Write down what the issue is and what's the solution. You have to really delve deep. And EOS, we call that IDS and as issue. And then you write down the process that will keep you from having that same issue over and over again. And it's important to do that, but it's not the urgent matter at hand oftentimes. Okay. So it gets pushed aside and we just can't let that happen. Well, you're right. So I think what we're going to do is uh, we're going to continue this next week, and um, we're going next week we'll be talking about experience, professional leadership, and teamwork training, and and whether you know this is something that you can do as the boss, or whether it's something you want to bring someone in to do, and and we have a lot of uh, points to discuss there. So I think that you will enjoy that particular session. I hope you enjoyed today, and we welcome you to write to us, uh, send us emails at hal at businessworks.us. And we'll be happy to respond to any questions or thoughts you may have. Thank you. Have a great day.